Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Kittitas Valley Sports Talk Podcast. We're your home for Wildcats, Bulldogs, Warriors, and Coyotes. The place to go for the latest sports news on all your favorite local sports teams. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack or beverage, and enjoy. Now here's your host for your Kittitas Valley Sports Talk, Luke Olson, John Gudat, and Eric Sorensen. Welcome back, Kid Hats Valley Sports Talk fans. Episode 10 of the Kid Hats Valley Sports Talk, the Chipper Jones episode, fellas. The Chipper Jones jersey episode. He is a great follow on Twitter. Yeah, I'm an old school hitting philosophy guy. He's he's against this whole uh, launch angle stuff and whatnot. And he's he gets in fights with people on there. He's a feisty little guy. He is a feisty guy. He's a Hall of Famer as well. Hall of Famer. That's right. Hall of Famer. So this is episode number 10. 10. Can you at- hit 10? Double digits. Double digits. We've made it. Wow. We haven't got kicked off yet or anything? Or? No, this podcast has staying power in big <laughs> yeah. country studios. Hey, we're still here. There's no one. Uh, I haven't gotten any weird emails yet from the government saying stop. So that's good. We're, we're on the right. <laughs> we haven't said anything wrong <laughs> yet. Hey, we're winning. Uh, it's, I feel like 10 is a big milestone. And and I like you know, thank everybody who's listened so far. And, and we, oh yeah, go ahead, John. You know, one of the reasons why we have staying power is because we have great sponsors. And I want to tip my hat and sit in their chairs. Fitter's Furniture, quality furniture. I appreciate uh, Brad and crew and the entire staff down there in downtown Ellensburg since 1896. So we talk about us having staying power with mm-hmm. our 10th episode. I would say 1896. Yes. Yeah, I think they're going to be around for a while. Hey, someone said one time to us, surround yourself with uh, great people and successful people. And that's what we did. So I think after uh, this, you know, the holiday break, maybe even before Christmas, we might have to cash that in that episode in their lobby from the reclining chairs with Brad. Uh, You know what? Schedule it. I will be there. Absolutely. Well, guys, what a fun weekend. If you guys follow us on Facebook, we put a post out on uh, Sunday. Local basketball star Coleman Sparling got the start for the University of Texas Arlington down in Oregon. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. He's about to start in about five minutes in real time. If you guys listen to this tomorrow, we played last night against yeah. Gonzaga University in Spokane. Tonight, yeah. uh, awesome. You guys get a chance to watch. I know I got to watch him and and he's got the start and had the first, what, five points and five first, first five points of the eight. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Small town kid. You know what we were talking before we hit record on this podcast, just the, the amount of talent that comes out of Ellensburg. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, uh, or Ellensburg or Kittitas Valley. So you got mm-hmm. guys like Coleman Sparling. We were going old school with Brian Habib, Jamorn mm-hmm. Hooker. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit. Um, Coach uh, Hashimoto is our guest uh, this week, and he's going to bring up uh, um, some uh, a couple of notable names as well who have continued to have success um, outside mm-hmm. of the borders of Kittitas County. So tons of talent, whether it's athletes or whether they go on and do something impressive in, in business or, or whatever their field is. And so um, it's just awesome to see a guy like Coleman uh, just continuing to, to uh, um, the continuing the trend of just having success outside of Kittitas, uh, Kittitas County. Absolutely. Actually, you know, Brian Habib's a great name. And that came up in conversation today. We talked about it earlier, but I don't know if who people are listeners listen to 710 ESPN when you're not listening to the kid, House Valley Sports Talk, but I listen to the three to 
the 6 p.m. show with Dave Wyman. I texted them today asking if Dave played with Habib. I got a text message back because you can text the show. They have a text line saying, yeah, he's a buddy of mine. How do you know him? I said, I don't, but I would like to interview him someday, and I hope we can get him on. Dude's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's pretty big time. So maybe we'll get him on the Super Bowl. We'll have to do some uh, talking about that. That's right. I heard rumor that he is good friends with the CEO of Tommy Bahama, Mr. Doug Wood. I went to school with Doug Wood's son. Did you? Jackson Wood. Yeah. Jackson? That's yeah. small. Yeah. Okay. So Played Doug. golf together. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, Doug's I a kid attached coyote. Okay. In a central yeah. Washington. Yeah. I've seen his, uh, you know, I never knew that. I went to high school at Jackson. We played golf together. And then like when I got the job here a year ago, I was walking through central with uh, my fiance Willow. And all of a sudden I see Doug Wood and he looks exactly like Jackson Wood. And I was like, then everything clicked. Yeah. So then, yeah. Well, so if we're going to talk about Doug Wood, we got to talk about, I mean, the, the Wood brothers mm-hmm. uh, and their Wood. dad leading the charge, uh, uh, Frank Wood, my coach, yeah. you know, he's out here in Kittitas. So when I was, uh, you know, I grew up in Federal Way on the west side. I've been over here for not quite 25 years. So I can get, I can say I'm a Kittitas County uh, local guy maybe now. But uh, I remember when I was in Illahee Junior High School, yeah. Coach Frank Wood was my PE teacher, and he was my uh, wrestling coach. And I remember in PE, as we were doing roll call or whatever it is that we were doing, I probably wasn't paying attention. Sorry, Coach. <laughs> but he would talk about this town, where he was from, little old Kittitas. And I can remember when I was a 13-year-old punk thinking, why are you talking about this, Coach? I'm a big city suburban kid. I don't need to know where Kittitas is. <clears throat> I've been living in Kittitas since '02. My kids go to school at Kittitas. My kids are being taught by uh, Coach Frank Wood. So if you're going to talk about Doug Wood, Frank mm-hmm. Wood, you got to just talk about the entire Wood family. So we talk about famous people coming out of Ellensburg, like Habib and, yeah. and Coleman Sparling. You got to put the Wood brothers in there as well. Yeah. How many people knew the CEO of Tommy Bahama was an Ellensburg or kid right. as a graduate? That's, That's awesome. Right. Uh, and Coach Wood, if you're listening, which you should be, uh, you will be on this here. We you know, gotta, we're going to tag him in Facebook and we will Twitter get him and tagged. stuff like that. We'll make sure he's listening. 100%. And he will be on the show, whether he likes it or not. We That's got, right. We got some fun questions for him. But you know, guys, we're the fall season's wrapping up. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna change the the order of this podcast a little bit. You know, our picks are over with. Uh, we got we we picked a game that's gonna be played this Saturday. So next podcast, we'll let people know on who well, won still, this year. Well, I still won. I I went undefeated <laughs> so far. Just throwing it out. You so I don't up, I don't though. think so either. But it's a shot. It's a shot. So we'll get the the pick results. But we're just going to roll right into our scoreboard brought to you by Fitter's Furniture there in 4th and Main. Stop in, say hi, tell them that you heard about us. Heard about them on the podcast, even though, you know, we've known they've been there forever. But give us a shout out when you're there so they know that that you're listening. But uh, a big, big weekend. I mean, how cool was it? I don't know if you guys saw. uh, I guess I saw it because Bob Etliski, who's a physical therapist at Canyon View. Her daughter plays on the team, and I saw a Facebook uh, video of the Ellensburg girls volleyball team rolling up in Nicholson Pavilion on Friday before 8 a.m. It was probably like 5 or 6 a.m. with a fire engine escort, uh, a fire truck, sirens gun or sirens blazing. Here comes the vans with the girls behind them, and then half of Ellensburg following the vans. That's awesome. It was awesome. Could you imagine being? I can't remember who they played. Was it South Kitsap or North Kitsap? North Kitsap. Yeah. I really. I mean. It'd been pretty funny if they were in the parking lot and they see this thing rolling up. But uh, if you don't know, which you should know, we we blew it all over Facebook this weekend. But Ellensburg volleyball had a heck of a state tournament, played for the state championship. Unfortunately, lost to a uh, a juggernaut. 
a juggernaut. juggernaut. And I would say that uh, not only is uh, Ridgefield that that they, uh, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more here, but Ridgefield, the Sputters, probably one of the greatest uh, uh, mascots out there. Uh, Not only were they um, tops in the two way, you could easily convince me. And I did a little research, a little reading. I I can imagine them being um, tops in you know, the three A and four A, or at least if they're not tops. They're going to be top four uh, in uh, in the higher leagues and uh, quality program for Ridgefield. I was proud of the Bulldogs, uh, especially in that third set. We'll talk about it a little bit. And uh, but yeah, just Kittitas uh, volleyball at state as well, taking eighth. We'll talk right. a little bit about that too. And um, we'll roll on the scoreboard right now. Let's just let's, let's knock, just roll into let's the knock scoreboard. It out right let's now. just do it. Let's do it. Rolling into the scoreboard. Right. Uh, you know so. Luke, you were there all weekend, and and I was there for the championship match. And if you weren't there, we're watching on Facebook, Twitter, right. the WIAA app. Um, great app, by the great way. weekend of volleyball. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. <clears throat> um, Ellensburg, you know, swept uh, through Friday with ease, just kind of like how they did last year. Um, but then that semifinal match was kind of big with Burlington Edison, and that's the one. The Bulldogs conveyed a lot is that that's the one they were really wanted because they got beat by them twice. And I think Ellensburg got beat by them in 2015 in the championship game. I know it's a different team, but, you know, they won that bad. And Ellensburg lost that first set, and uh, it didn't look good. I, just by the way they kind of handled Ellensburg, it didn't, I didn't think Ellensburg would. I don't know, but they <laughs> did. <laughs> they won three straight sets, and all of a sudden they're in the championship game, and it's pretty remarkable. You know, they... They did it without a TN and Daya. You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. much the same team except without her. And, uh, you know, it helps having eight to nine seniors. And, but yeah, in the championship game, it's just tough to, I mean, there's like three or four girls that are six feet or taller with one that's six four. And one and of that six four girls, a junior. Yeah. And then the, wow. and then the six one is going to uh, Idaho. Idaho. So, I mean, it was like, if if there was a ball on top of the net, that I mean, it was just nobody in the state could. Stop. I don't think any team could stop that slam, that kill. Wow. Yeah. So <clears throat> they got a D one girl going to Idaho. Uh, I I read that that six four girl. I think her name was Delaney, and that's a shout out to my hey, oldest daughter Delaney. Right. Uh, she uh, has multiple big school offers. Um, is uh, one of the articles that I read about it. So you, if they're going to talk about big school, so clearly have two Division One uh, players there, very tall, very athletic. I'm, I'm just I, the Bulldogs. Uh, it sounds like in your story, Luke, in the Daily Record, they hadn't seen that kind of like talent across the board out of one team. But I mean, I, I was very proud with the way we uh, we stuck with them in the first uh, set. You know, kind of got uh, knocked around in the second set, and then that third set, we were down and then came back. In, even caused Ridgefield to uh, call a timeout just to try to stop Twice, the momentum, yeah. and they couldn't. And I, I was really proud. The crowd was incredibly loud. Uh, I was impressed uh, with, one, the play on the court, and then just the reactions from the crowd, both sides of the, the – I thought the crowd was very supportive, very respectful, and very appreciative of both teams. And uh, it was just a really great atmosphere to be around. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Just kind of – it was like a home match, basically. But that third well, set it was, was yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Third set was really cool, and Debbie Landry, the coach of Ellensburg, kind of said the girls just kind of believed in themselves. Finally, you know, they they were kind of intimidated those first two sets, and I could see why. You know, they haven't seen that type of competition. Yep. I mean, that was like a, I mean, like it'd be like facing a JUCO, you know, with a bunch right. of girls that are. But uh, 
yeah, it was a good good year for the Bulldogs, you know, regardless, whatever, you know. Yeah. Got to tip our hat to the K-Town, Kittitas. Kittitas, bringing home some hardware this weekend. That's right. Eighth at State. They had, Pretty dang good. Did they lose to, did Northwest Christian and Colbert end up winning it all? Uh, Northwest Christian ended up taking second. Second. Um, but if uh, but they were in the championship <laughs> right. match. And that's so, who they lost to in the first and game. And to be quite honest with you, Northwest Christian didn't sweep us. And you never want to say, you know, a loss is a win. But right. if you're going to lose to somebody but still punch them in the mouth at least one set, Again, my hat is off to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not known for my volleyball prowess. Um, so it was, uh, uh, but I can still appreciate the, the talent that Kittitas has. And, and uh, just, I was thrilled that they were in the Sun Dome. I'm thrilled that uh, uh, my oldest daughter, Delaney, got to go down and, and watch them play uh, on, that, uh, on that Thursday. So that's really cool that the school promotes that being kind of a field trip yeah. kind of thing. And, and uh, so, uh, they made it in the Saturday and and played on you know Saturday night, Saturday uh, afternoon, and so anytime you're yeah you're not gonna even though they didn't win state they were still playing late into Saturday, which means you're going for the trophy. That's big time. Yeah. No, what a great season by both volleyball teams in this valley, and and it's, I guess that's just a part of the reason we started this podcast was to show the the athletics and the athletes that we have here. It's it's freaking phenomenal, and how cool how cool is it we played for a state another state championship opportunity and. And that's awesome. Uh, unfortunately, though, on Friday night, wasn't it? Or Saturday? Saturday they played. Saturday. Ellensburg yep. football lost to Hawkinson School that is has one loss in the year to Archbishop Murphy, who's a, their powerhouse football program. And, and it sounds like they were in the game for quite a while from what we were following. And, yeah, just and Hawkinson was the 2A state champs last year. Yeah. It's uh, a look, tough draw. Just following on Twitter, it looked pretty good for Ellensburg. You know, they got a safety going in the half lead and – by uh, eight, but then it looks like just the offense was, went stagnant in the second half, and still a good game, a good season. Uh, you got to give it to Jeff Zenesek for leading the Bulldogs to the state state uh, berth his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean they had a tough schedule in the beginning, and you know they showed they were able to compete with some good teams. You know, being right there with Prosser the game before, and. I mean, right there with Royal, too, who's like the number one team in 1A. Uh, and then they got a tough uh, tough matchup with Hawkinson, and they were right there in the end, but just didn't go mm-hmm. the Bulldogs' favor. Well, that was good, you know, good bounce back season for them, and the fact that they started up tough with a tough non league, and then they came back and, and made a state playoff, which we predicted earlier on the year. So, yeah. uh, let's move on to some college ranks. Central Washington University football team beat Simon Frazier, co-GNAC champs, and Coach Fisk's first year. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Three, uh, three in a row now. Mm-hmm. I was, I mean, you know, that's not an easy trip going up there to Canada and playing those guys, but it was cool to see Central taking care of business. The GNAC tournament, I mean, or title, granted, shared, unfortunately, with Western Oregon, but it's where it belongs in Ellensburg. You know, uh, you were talking about Ellensburg having a uh, Ellensburg High School having a mm-hmm. tough schedule. So did Central. Uh, you know, they hosted uh, number two Ferris State, which got the um, number one seed in their region going into the national playoffs this weekend. Um, you know, traveled down to a pretty tough Texas A and M, uh, West Texas A and M. They opened the entire season with the D one AA or FCS mm-hmm. Idaho. So. They were quite tested, and I think you saw that as the season wore on, um, just in terms of they've seen that adversity. So, they, you, you know, you learn a, 
a thing or two. And then, uh, you know, nothing against Simon Fraser, but uh, that was a game that they, the Central needed to win and should have win. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in doubt. So, yeah, it was shared, but uh, that's three in a row. And Coach Fisk in his first year, um, you know, that will help with recruiting. Uh, oh, yeah. That will help with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dennis Francois in last week's podcast. They've got a heck of a schedule uh, for the 2020 season. I think showing your your high school seniors or maybe junior college uh, transfers that, or, you know, maybe even D1 dropdowns that, yeah, we're Division II football, but we are going to schedule the best teams we can. And I, I just think that will just uh, – I have high hopes for uh, 2020, and uh, I just – I'm looking forward to it already. I love winter sports, and I love the spring sports too, but at the end of the season, you're already like, oh, when does uh, summer ball start? When does fall ball start uh, for the the fall teams? And, and definitely talking about Central on that one too. I hope we can't. I don't know if we're supposed to say this or not, but I'm already or picking, humping, putting the word in with my my dad about saying the second kind needs to be over with for the first road game in Montana somewhere. Missoula, Missoula. Yep. So Missoula. hopefully we can make a trip to that. And- that is a heck of a trip, and that is an easy drive on I-90. Yeah, you had to go over it a couple be- of mountain passes, but when you're doing it in early September, those are easy mountain passes across. Absolutely. And and uh, Missoula in the uh, uh, you know, Washington Grizzly Stadium is mm-hmm. that is a um, that is Palace. Uh, uh, University of Montana, they love their football. It is gorgeous there. Well, it's uh, I, I watched it here in Big Country Studios actually. Um Central Soccer in the semifinals of the GNAC tournament got beat by Western or, or Western Washington, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, they were in it right there. I believe it was a two-to-one finish. And it was two to one finish. I actually caught myself yelling. I think I scared my daughter a little bit when I, I gave a scream. We scored a goal. <laughs> and, and we and honestly, we almost had a goal there um, at, toward the last couple of minutes to uh, try to win that game. We're so, threatening, um, you know, as much as we don't like – Anything that uh, begins with the word Western, uh, they're a quality team, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're a national uh, caliber type of team. And so, to be able to be that close, hopefully, that means next year we'll get a little bit closer, or uh, we'll get the W. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Central volleyball, they lost to Concordia, but they beat Western Oregon on Saturday. They play Western Washington at home Thursday. So, if you have nothing going Thursday night. Get to Nicholson Pavilion, watch them take on the number one team in the GNAC, the Western Washington Vikings. Uh, they're probably ranked pretty high in the nation too. Six, I believe six. they're seventh in the uh, nation. And I will tell you, you know, we talked about Ellensburg volleyball and Kittitas volleyball, but in the two way ranks, that Ridgefield team having college caliber uh, ladies on that team, the amount that the quality of talent that's at the GNAC level, mm-hmm. it is exciting, exciting to watch. And so I, I encourage every. Everybody, pack the path. Heck yeah! Pack the pavilion on a Thursday. Um, pack the it's, path. It's, it's a it's a great atmosphere to be at, and I know Coach Mario and Daya and uh, crew will. Um, I mean, you don't really have to tell somebody to get up and ready right. for a rivalry game, and hopefully, I don't have to tell the fans to get there either. 
So All Thursday the, and Saturday. It's like Thursday yeah. against Western, Saturday against Simon Fraser. Right. Seven o'clock both times. I mean, it's a great atmosphere I'm, to be in. I might have to get my Western You Suck shirts out for the Thursday night. So might have to dust that off. <laughs> Absolutely. Might, I don't you know what? I've kind of gained a little bulk <laughs> around my stomach. Yeah. I'd like to say it's muscles, but it's not. So my my Western You Suck shirt might be a little bit snug. Mm-hmm. Everybody uh, needs but one. But if though. you're going to wear it, I'll wear it. I might break it out. Quickly, we'll cover the the men's basketball. They had a great weekend. They beat Texas A&M Kingsville, and then they beat Colorado Christian. Uh, they host Evergreen State. Aren't they the, the Turtles or something? Evergreen College? Gooey Ducks. Gooey Ducks, yeah. They play them here at Friday at 7 o'clock here in Ellensburg, so hopefully you can get out and watch them. They got some good games coming up next week, I believe. You know what? And and nothing against Evergreen State, mm-hmm. but I, I will say this. Uh, uh, Central will win because they should win. Again, no disrespect to the gooey ducks there in Olympia, but um, uh, even though it's probably going to be a blowout, the nice thing about the blowouts is we're going to see cool dunks. Right, we're going to see the entire uh, the entire roster play probably, mm-hmm. and so you'll get to see a good look at the entire talent uh, of the team. And so, but uh, I'm glad they uh, they won the games that they needed to last week and mm-hmm. uh, beaten Kingsville and beaten Colorado Christian there. I think that tournament was in Nampa. I think it was. Uh, yes. uh, you know, Northwest Nazarene hosted that. So, um, Western oriented teams and, uh, you know, beaten, um, you know, going one and one in their own tournament. Uh, and uh, uh, two weeks ago, pardon me, um, that will help with the West Region rankings when those come out. Big time. Yeah. Uh, the Central Women, they unfortunately lost to Westminster, Utah. But they bounce back and they beat Colorado Christian tonight. They're playing right now. They're playing Seattle U an exhibition game in D1. Seattle. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's in see, Seattle, yeah. excited to see how they do there. Um, well, that was a pretty fun weekend of sports that we've had, and and there's a big week coming up with the Central basketball games and and uh, Central volleyball and and uh, you know fans get out there and support your local university. I, I know it's not local, but can we? Can we quickly talk about the the big game that's coming up in in Seattle next week, day after Thanksgiving? Oh, I believe the Friday. two guys that are are sharing the studios with me will be in at Husky Stadium for the Apple Cup. We're going to talk about it more next week. Yes, we're going to have our Apple Cup episode. Yeah, with some other fun twists in it. Yeah, uh, we're trying to reach out to all big name celebrities. That's right. So we'll see who we can get. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for it. Actually, no, Apple Cup kind of sucks for Cougar fans, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I love going to it. Yeah. You know, in this podcast, we've done the would you rather question. Yes. I'm not going to say the question we're going to ask next week, right. Right. but it is definitely uh, Apple Cup oriented, and I'm actually looking forward to it. Let's let's ask it. You want to ask it. Not give answers. And if you're listening, comment on our Facebook. Hit us up on Facebook. Twitter or Instagram. Instagram. So, you know what? It was your question, I believe, country. Ask the question, and we really want a dialogue here on Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media. Get to talking about this. The mic is yours. So, when I texted this originally before they beat Stanford on Saturday. Would you, as a Cougar fan, would you want rather beat Stanford, Oregon State, become bowl eligible, and lose the Apple Cup, or lose to either one of those teams or both of them or both of them not become bowl eligible, but win the apple cup. Okay. So let's throw that out. Either win the apple cup or go to a bowl game. What would you rather do? So, uh, fans of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, we are getting a growing fan base based off the people who are interacting with us, either 
through text or online or, or social media or just face to face, that still works face to face talking, it right? Is. It is. Um, let us know what, what is your opinion? Would you rather be bowl el- eligible mm-hmm. or would you rather beat your rival in the Apple Cup? You're right. And miss out on bowls by one game. Uh, I'm I can't say to give my answer and my I'm gonna, mentality behind it. I'll post on the Facebook and, and everything and, and to say this is the thread from our question for this week. What's your thoughts? So you guys should know. We'll know who's listening. So before we move on to our guest of the week, Jeff Hashimoto, the cross country coach at Ellensburg, recent state champion, Ellensburg cross country girls team. And uh, we got to give place boys team too. Yeah. Third place boys team, a, a very successful <clears throat> year. And, and it was a really fun interview. We've already done it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, can't wait for you guys to hear it. But we need to thank Fitters Furniture, sponsor quality furniture, furniture since 1896 on 4th and Main. I'm kind of excited. We're about to play an ad from them. We have a, we have a live ad. Sent to us, marketing uh, in the marketing department. Coach Amanda, assistant coach at Kid as High right. School, yeah. shows that they also they let her leave work and and uh, go coach our local athletes and and they they truly support the local sports scene in this valley. So let's go support them and give them some business and let them know that the Kid has Valley Sports Talk has sent you. Sounds good to me. Well, can't wait. Grab a snack, turn off all notifications, get ready for a, a great interview with Coach. And we'll be right back after this message. Fitterer's Furniture presents a poem for the season from Mr. Brad Fitterer. Thank you. Twas the holiday season and all through the store, the staff was real busy with customers and more. There were couches and tables and lamps all around with savings and prices the best in the town. But the reason I write this is simple, you see, to wish you the best from my staff and from me. Thanking all of their customers. Wait, I'm not done. And wishing all of you the best for the holiday season. I have more. Quality furniture since 1896. Hey, I spent a lot of time writing this. Fitterer's Furniture in Ellensburg. All right, Kittas Valley sports fans, we are back with our guest of the week, Jeff Hashimoto, cross-country coach from Ellensburg High School. Coach, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So we the first thing we usually ask all our guests is, is talk, talk us through where you started, how you got to Ellensburg, and what got you into coaching at Ellensburg. Well, I grew up not really in an athletic family, and I my sport in high school and college was cross-country skiing. And in seventh grade, a teacher took me cross-country skiing, and I thought it was the most fun thing I'd ever done, and I said I was going to do that every chance I got for as long as I could. And for the next 10 years, I did that. And I ended up skiing through high school and skiing at college. Uh, and it was a, a real powerful experience for me. I ended up uh, going back and coaching at college for a couple of years. Uh, and then I uh, did some other things, spent a lot of time in my 20s traveling around uh, and then met my wife. And we uh, she got a job here teaching at CWU. And that took us to Ellensburg. And at that time, I had decided I wanted to be a high school teacher. So ended up teaching around, taught in uh, at Davis High School for a while, and then got a job teaching at Ellensburg High School. And then that spring, the cross-country coaching job opened up for the following fall. So I talked to her and said, hey, what do you think about applying for this job? And she said, go for it. And so I applied. And that was this is year 16 now. Wow. What was it that... Uh... I mean, you have a cross-country skiing background. Um, similarities to the two uh, sports or two uh, disciplines? Yeah, it's. I mean, they're very similar, and you do a lot of uh, running. I mean, I did a lot of running training 
in preparation for skiing because skiing is a winter sport. But then the physiology of the, the training systems, like the different heart rate zones that you would want to be in are very similar. And a lot of the physiological principles are the same. And so there was, there's definitely a lot of, of carryover um, between the sports. So I was able to apply a lot of those, those ideas that I'd learned about endurance sports during my, uh, my skiing, both racing and coaching to the, to the running. But there's a lot of different things about running too. And one of the things that, that, uh, I mean, I ran cross country in high school and I wasn't particularly good at it. And I didn't really understand the mechanics of running fast, which is something that I really got a lot more. Uh, I learned a lot when I was coaching and, uh, Phil English, who's a, a, a legendary coach at Eisenhower. I learned a lot from him about, about mechanics of running. And I think really have, have worked on, on those technical aspects with, with my runners. So I want, I'm going to ask you, there's two questions I want to ask, but the first one is kind of leading into the second one is as, as a new, or as a new runner, uh, cause we were kind of talking about before the podcast started, um, when I started running cross country, I had no idea. So when you're a, when you're a new kid coming into a sport that you might not know anything about, how, as a coach, do you prepare them? I mean, what to expect in terms of, um, are, are kids nervous about being exhausted or nervous about not, not being fast or what is it that, uh, you find new cross country runners, uh, the biggest hurdle they need to overcome? I think a huge hurdle for kids is just getting out there. And a lot of kids are really intimidated to even try running. I mean, running is hard and a lot of their experience with running is, is maybe, you know, that as a sport, as a punishment in another sport or in PE class. And so they might not have a positive association association with running. So I find a lot of times it's hard to, to get people out. And so once I can get them out and they experience it, I think a lot of times it's, it's something that they get hooked on. Um, so one thing that we do right after school gets out, we have a camp at uh, Fort Flagler, which is a state park out on the, um, out on Puget Sound and we get the, get the kids together and it's to welcome the new runners, but also to have a training camp for the experienced runners. But we do a lot of team bonding and we do a lot of fun activities and try to try to give them a, an introduction to the team. And that's been something that when kids go to that, they have a blast and they, and, and it makes them excited about it. And they realize that, Hey, this is not torture all the time. So, um, the other thing about running is that not every run should be a death march. Actually, most runs shouldn't be a death march. I think that a lot of recreational runners, they do the same loop every day and they always try to run it as fast as they can. And, uh, and, and that's actually not ideal in training. I mean, there are runs that are meant to be hard and there are runs that are meant to be not as hard. And so having kids realize that, that it's, uh, there's a, there's a time that it's going to be a, a, definitely a challenge, but not every run is like that. So my, my second half of the question, and pardon me, I'm going to dominate this uh, podcast here, but uh, second half of the question, you mentioned uh, Coach English. Um, that's where my brother, Zach, ran um, for him down there at Ike. I can hear his voice, his accent. I can see his hat in my head right now. Um, but as a new coach, you talk about like new runners. As a new coach, what was the biggest hurdle for you to overcome, or, or did you have a couple of aha moments in those first couple of years? Well. The biggest hurdle for me was trying to build the team. And before I had 
been coaching, we had not had a complete girls team, hadn't had five girls for the past couple of years. There'd been more boys, but the, the, the total team size was something like 15, uh, with a dozen boys and a, a couple girls or something. Um, and so I felt like it was important to get a lot of kids out. And, uh, so did a lot of recruiting that first year had, I think 25 boys and nine girls. So we able, were able to field a, a girls team for the first time. And I was really fortunate that year to have a, a, a senior boy who was really dedicated, Joe Darda, who set a great example for the, the other kids. And that inspired the next generation. And there was a group of sophomores that year. And, uh, and, and those kids worked extremely hard and were, and really fell in love with running. Um, and that team actually was the first team to win a, a district title. Uh, and that was 2005. And then they went on and, and placed fourth at state in 2006. And those kids just embraced the running lifestyle. And that culture has been passed on year to year. And, uh, and it's, it's just from kid to kid, even through to today. So uh, I was really fortunate to have Joe starting off to set that example. Uh, and then that, that sophomore group who, who brought it along. And, uh, so, but at first just getting kids out to, uh, and trying to, like I said, that challenge of getting them out to once, once they get out there and they have a great time, but just getting them out the door was, uh, was a challenge. I think that, um, I think success breeds a, attention to, to a team, but the camaraderie, um, as a former cross country guy, um, I remember those camps and those uh, team bonding moments and everything like that. So does the success help, uh, in terms of attracting new talent and then, but is it more the camaraderie and this people just developing a, quite a friendship and, and something that could be a quite an intimidating sport to get into? Well, I guess I'm going to answer that in a roundabout way. I mean, one one thing, and I wanted to circle back to this. So we have uh, we have what we call the the three C's of cross country, and they're the, the the cornerstone principles of our team. So those three C's are character, commitment, and community. And we try to I try to teach the kids about that at the very beginning. Hey, what's our team about? It's character, commitment, community. So character, you know, you want to be the best person you can be, and it's 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 not enough just to be a a good runner, but you want to be a good person. You want to have good sportsmanship. You want to be trustworthy commitment, you know, running is hard and you have to make a commitment in uh, a commitment in training, a commitment in workouts and, and, and be a committed person commitment in your schoolwork. And then community applies to our team community. I mean, one of the, I've had this since my first year, I, I said, the rule is you can't say no. Someone wants to sit next to you on the bus. Someone wants to join your cooking group at camp. Then, we say, of course, I'm, I'm glad to have you. And, and, uh, so it's within that it's building that team community. Um, and then also one of our requirements for varsity letter is to do some kind of community service. And we do a bunch of things, uh, trying to get kids to, to recognize that it's not just about them, but we, we want to give back to the broader community as well. So, uh, I feel like those are the things that I try to draw kids who are bought, brought, bought into those principles of character, commitment, community, and I think that um, that helps ease that that transition and tells people what we're about. Actually, the the one thing about community is you guys are a face in the community because I see you guys running around all the time in your team practice. And actually, one morning there was a vest stopping me, and, and a kid ran across the road with a gun in their hand. I thought, man, coach is taking this to another level. <laughs> it was the Army ROTC, and I was like, okay, that's kind of that's probably better, but but. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, talk about your guys' practices. You know, you always see like, the kids running around, coming up on Indian John's Trail, I believe. 
and uh, there's a lot there's a lot to a cross country practice. I feel like. Yeah, uh, I mean there there there's a lot of things, and and for some kids, getting them hooked also is not at first about the running, and it's about that. Com- I think the community really draws them in, and again, bring them in, bring them into that camp really helps them be a part of that team community. So, I mean, if, if all we do is run, I think they're not, they're not going to be bought into that team. Um, and, and, and I think, I mean, cross country, a lot of people think is an individual sport, but it's really a team sport. And you ask those kids, would, would you rather, you know, win an individual title or win a team title? And they all say they'd rather win a team title and they want to run for each other. And, uh, and so that, but building that community starts at the very beginning. And it's just, I mean, they're, they're kids, they're high school kids and they need to, to learn to be taught sometimes. And just the, just to learn what it's like to be part of a team, what it's learn, what it's like just to, to serve people and to, to give to that team as well as it's not just about, about what the team can do for you. It's what, what you can do. So, uh, but anyway, that didn't really answer your question about the, what is a practice like? So, uh, some, some say I, I talk on and on at the beginning of practices, which I probably am guilty of, but, uh, but there's just a lot to learn about running. I mean, there is, there is so much to learn about not just the running, but how the physiology, uh, one, of, one of the things that we did at the beginning of the year is develop team goals. And we have the, the kind of overarching character commitment community that I talked about, but every team thinks about what they want to do for the season. So, one of the goals was this year for the the kids was know the purpose. And they, they're like every workout, we want to know why are we doing this workout and what is it doing for us? And they wanted to, and to, to make sure that everyone from the brand new runners to the experienced runners knew that. And really a lot of the, for a lot of the new runners, why are we doing a long run? Why are we doing this run? Maybe a hard, uh, an, inter, an, inter, an interval workout where there's hard runs with a break in between. Why are the breaks of this length? Why are the, um, why are, why are we running at this speed and not that speed? And so trying to teach a lot of those principles. So there's a lot to, to learn. So at practice, we'll start off with something like that. We've got, um, we ended with 82 kids on the team this year. So there's a, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids, 82, 82. Wow. Okay. So, um, I have a, a, a wonderful staff, which I have to give a, a shout out to the, to all the, the coaches that we have, uh, have on our staff. So, um, and, and, uh, so Josephine Camarillo typically works with the day-to-day training of the, the varsity girls. Josh Abel works with a, a, a group of guys, um, Josh Matson, uh, Ed Callahan and Lisa Berthon. And w- what we've done is, uh, is tr- divide the team up into groups. One thing that's really important is for us to be one team. And so we meet together and there's a lot of things we do together. We, we don't try to separate out all oh, the varsity gets to do certain things and other people don't, but not everyone is obviously going to do the same run. So, uh, one of the goals is to have individual contact with every kid and to, to just make sure every kid knows they're cared for. And it's a lot easier to do that with, uh, each coach having 15 or so kids that they're, they're looking after. So those, those people do a fantastic job. They're passionate, dedicated, uh, and they've, they put so much into the program that, that, uh, you know, we, we definitely wouldn't be at the level of success we have without, without those people. Um, and so we will, uh, we'll, we'll meet usually as a whole group divide up into whatever workout groups we're going to do. 
there's a lot of supplemental training that can be of benefit. So it's not just running. There are things like core exercises. We do a, an injury prevention routine, which is kind of a, as I tell the kids, these are the things that if you end up going to a physical therapist with an injury, they're going to have you do. And, uh, and so we do those, uh, we do some leg strength and then a lot of running drills, working on technique. Then there's running, then there's, uh, cool down stretching. Um, so there's kind of a lot, a lot of that stuff takes, takes a fair bit of time to do. So that's inside a typical practice. Um, I try to be, sometimes I'm, I try to be really time efficient because I mean, these kids have a lot of homework and, and one of the things that I teach them is that running doesn't make you fast. It's the recovery that makes you fast. So training breaks down your body. And so that, that nutrition and that sleep is essential. So if they're not getting enough sleep, it's, uh, their training is, is, is worthless if they're not able to recover from it. So, uh, I try to make the practices really efficient. Um, and sometimes people might argue about how well I do that, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it, I think that that recovery is really important. Did they have a curfew, uh, the night before state? Uh, we, I mean, we, yeah, we had <laughs> we try to make sure they, they're able to get their, their nine to nine hours of sleep. So, um, and some kids were up pretty early that morning. I don't know. I was up pretty early that morning. I went for a, went for a run that morning and, uh, and, uh, there were, there were some kids up at six that morning. I think there was definitely some nerves that, uh, oh, yeah. and what was that like for you? Um, you know, your 16th year, you guys, the girls got the state title and the boys finished the highest ever. I mean, what was that like for you and the team teams? Well, it, it, it's, it's just a fantastic group of kids. And I think that, that one of the things that, uh, that I, I told them is I, I'm, I mean, I'm as proud of them the day before state as I am the day after state. And, and, uh, uh, so it's not, it's not just the result, you know, it's just the hard work that they put in. And, and I, I really try to emphasize that process over outcome. And so if we're doing the process, then we just let the outcome take care of itself. Sometimes the outcome is beyond your control and, uh, but you can, you can, you can control the process. So, uh, I mean, but that being said, you know, when you have a team that, that is, is really good and knows, they know they're good. They know that there's those possibilities. There's, there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Um, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on Leah individually. Um, so it was really, I'm really proud of those kids that they handled that pressure and performed as well as they did. I mean, they, they ran, they ran a fantastic race at state. Um, and, and it's hard to do that when you got a lot of pressure on, on yourself. And the guys also ran fantastic at, at state and, and, uh, and they had a lot of pressure as well. So, um, I mean, there, there was definitely, definitely some pressure and I was, I was nervous for them. And, and uh, that helps me too, is to think, Hey, look, what's the process? What are we going to be focusing on this week? And that, that week of state, we said, Hey, let's this, when we set goals that week, let's, uh, the goal is to enjoy this time together with your team. And the goal is to be healthy so that you're able to run your best. And, and I told him, I said, Hey, if anyone asks you, what are your goals? They don't, don't say your goal is to win state your goal. Actually, we never, I never even used those words with them. Um, and I just said, our goal is to enjoy our time with our team and to, and to be healthy, to run our best race. I figure the result takes care of itself. Can you kind of, maybe we'll start with the, with the ladies, ladies first. I mean, um, how did that race develop? Did, was there any surprises? Uh, you know, we talk about Leah, but there's five scores and, 
And uh, um, what was the, you know, the first mile, second mile, what was that race? How did that develop? You know, in the race itself, it's actually funny because you have the team scores mile by mile and they were pretty stable. We were, we were right at 80 to, to 80 points throughout the whole race and 83 at the finish. Things didn't really change. People found a place and they, and they held their position and were able to stay strong through that race in, in at state that course is, is quite hilly and that there's been a course change that makes it hillier than, than it was two years ago. Uh, and so you have to run that first mile in such a way that you can, you know, you can still run hard. This, the, the second and third mile. So, uh, I mean, in, in, in that race, Leah and Kate, their goal was to go out in the front group, but for the people who are going to be more in the pack, it's, it's important to know your body and know what's going to work for you. And sometimes it can be a bad idea to, to, to key off one particular runner because that runner may be having a great day and then you shouldn't run with them, or they may be having a terrible day and you shouldn't run with them. And so, uh, I think it's important just to, to, I try to emphasize to just, Hey, well, I told them don't go out too fast and don't go out too slow (laughs) and, uh, and, and to, but just to be aware of yourself and think about, you don't, don't get caught up in what else is going on, but to be aware of yourself. And they did, they did a great job, um, holding that position because it's, it's easy to go backwards in that race. Um, if you go out too hard. So, uh, on the, on the individual side, I mean, kind of the, the lead, it was a strong, really strong individual field in two a. And so, um, there were probably five people who we're, we're li- really thinking would be, would be, uh, contenders for the individual win. Um, and I think Kate surprised a lot of people by beating some of those contenders, but, uh, she didn't surprise me because I've been seeing her in training and seeing Leah in training. And I knew how strong those, those, uh, those two were. So I wasn't surprised that she beat a lot of those people who were considered contenders as well. So it was fun watching that race at the, at the front breakout though, because there were some people like there's the girl who won the 800 meters at state, uh, last spring. And so there's some people that you're a little worried about in the last, uh, last hundred meters. Uh, and, Fortunately, Leah was able to, to break away from those people. And the, the only person who was left was a, a runner from Bellingham, uh, Livy Lackland Henry, who had a fantastic year. And Leah had raced her a couple of times and was pretty sure that, that, um, that she was going to beat her in, in, a, in the last 400 meters. And so I, that was the matchup that I was hoping would happen in the last 400 meters. And it was, and, and Livy had a great run and a fantastic season and, and, uh, and was really good competition. And I, I mean, we, we knew beforehand that that is one tough runner and she is going to, she's going to make it a tough race. And, and that's, that is how it worked out. So one of the things about the girls, though, is not just how the state race developed, but just the development of the team. And, uh, I mean, it's, it, those seven individuals all have, have come so far and, uh, to, to start with, Leah and Kate and Riley, who all ran well in middle school, but didn't really even have high school cross country on their radar. Um, and then, uh, Leah was a soccer player and was thinking about playing soccer and realized she was pretty good at running. But actually I think the thing that, 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 uh, that got her is that all her friends were running. And, uh, now if, if you ask her, she'll say, uh, yeah, doing cross country was the best decision of my life. Um, Although she said that last year before, you know, at, at, 
and then uh, Kate wasn't sure she was going to be a runner. And then she came back from Fort Flagler and said, I love my team and this is something I'm going to try. But she wasn't really that into training. Uh, it took a while for her to fall in love with it. And then I think Riley too also, um, I mean, she is a, a big basketball player and, and really dedicated to her basketball and, uh, but is, is running extremely well. And, and I think that the community is really something that, that she has enjoyed. Uh, and then, uh, Maddie Thompson, who has been just a, a rock of the team for the, the last four years, uh, is, is, uh, and she's maybe a little more of an 800 meter specialist, but she's a great cross country runner as well. And she's a, an incredible team leader. Uh, Holly Fromhurst is a, a freshman who ran in middle school, wasn't sure she was going to run in high school. Um, and, and wasn't sure she was going to be a runner and has really, really blossomed this year and, and has, has great determination and, and is, it's just been so fun to watch her develop. Um, Elisa Wallace is a, a, a a senior on the team who has had some struggles. One thing that, that she struggled with is asthma. And so anytime that the air quality is bad, things, things get really tough for her. And so the last couple of years were really challenging. And, uh, and, and I think there's a, a threshold where you're just exposed to smoke that much and it, it impacts you. And she had some injury woes and, and, uh, but then she was able to have her best race of her, of her life at state. And actually, I, I love that picture that's in the, the daily record where Leah's giving Elisa a hug. And actually, what that hug is about, they don't know the team scores, but Elisa has just realized that she's run the best race of her life and, and has told Leah that she set a PR on the state course, which is not an easy course. And so Leah is just excited for this race that Elisa just had. And that's the, that's what that big smile that's is awesome. about. And those tears are about is, is her caring for a teammate. And then Alex Hall has just had an incredible season and she, she was, uh, not, not a standout middle school runner and not even a standout. She was a, a JV runner last year, uh, rapidly improving, but she has, uh, you know, she runs all the time and, uh, and has worked really hard and has got a, a great determination and has just had a fantastic season. So it's been really fun seeing those seven develop over, over this season and over the last several seasons for them. So that's really what's been the development is them as a, as a team and, and, and each individual, the contributions that they've made to that team. That leads me in perfect to my next question. Um, we talked about off the air a little bit about team chemistry and going to the camp and everything. How, how crucial is that to a cross country team? I think, I think it's huge. And, and, uh, one of the things that I do with the, the, we have, we have had 10 team captains this year uh, and we have uh, weekly captains meetings and we have used a book called the team captains leadership manual. We read chapters together. So, and, and have discussions about that, about what it means to be a leader. I felt like over a lot of years, I kind of, I mean, I had great captains. I've had just great kids over many years, but I felt like I didn't really give them a lot of help. I just said, Hey, you're a captain and can you do some stuff? And so giving, giving them a little more of a structure about what does it mean to be a leader, I think has been, uh, has really helped our, our team chemistry a lot. And so, uh, just reading those, having those discussions have been, have been really helpful to our team chemistry. I think it's helped those kids become better leaders and it's, and, and, uh, yeah, it's and and those they're just they've just been fun discussions to have with kids. 
So let's, uh, um, gosh, there's like three questions I can ask on, on that, but <laughs> let me bring it back to, you know, the boys team and, and, and the boys race, um, third place, which is incredible in an incredibly competitive two a, uh, uh, division. Um, how did their Saturday at Pasco turn out for them? I mean, in terms of just the strategy and, and tactics. Well, I think, I think that, uh, early in the week and, and, there's one boy I got to give a lot of credit to Zach Mathias, who's been, uh, been a, a solid runner on the team. He was our number two runner most of last year. And he, he had a really rough year and his, uh, his IT band kind of flared up right at Labor Day and he barely ran in September. Uh, he spent a lot of time running in the pool and, uh, and came back to racing and was definitely not racing at the level that he wanted to race at and that, that, uh, that, that his summer training had indicated he'd be at. And the week of state, he, uh, he, he, he talked to me and he's like, Hey, I think, I think you need to, to talk with these boys. I think these boys can, you know, we're, we're a great team and I don't know if they're as confident as they need to be. And, and he's, and he said, I'm, I'm going to go out in this race and I'm, I'm going to lay it all on the line today at state. And that's, I think, I think we, we, we need to have the confidence to put ourselves out there. And so we had that discussion with the boys and I kind of looked at it with the boys. I looked at some, some, some of the things that should give them confidence. We had a team meeting the next day and, and, uh, and talked about that and talked about just, Hey, being confident. Hey, what, what does it take to be a top team here? And, and we put it out there and, and, uh, uh, the, I mean, we were, we were, I mean, it was incredibly close and really, I haven't, I haven't done the math on it, but seconds per kid is not very much between us and first and, and they ran extremely well. And we have raced against Seahome twice this year, uh, in September and then in October and, uh, and they were quite a ways ahead of us. And so, um, that was a, a, you know, they, 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 they ran their hearts out. They were, they ran, they ran, they ran great. And, and, uh, but I, I got to thank Zach for, for stepping forward. And, and even though he wasn't among the top five scorers in the end, he, he was a, a huge part of, I think the mindset of, of, uh, of the group. Um, I'm going to put a shout out to those boys because they went to the, the Nike regional meet in Boise and actually beat those Seahome boys by 150 points, uh, in that race. So <laughs> nice. we're, uh, say that louder coach. We'll say it for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, but, but then individually among, among those, those, uh, those boys, Patrick Adkison has just had a fantastic season. Um, and boy, he gave me a scare, uh, the week of districts in our interval workout, his Achilles started hurting. And I thought, oh my gosh, if there's one thing that I don't want to happen right now is to have Patrick get hurt. So just really backed off his training that week and, and focused on getting him well at districts. I, um, I said, well, I think we can qualify for state without you if we need to have you rest and, uh, and we could, you know, we don't necessarily need you to race on Saturday. And he looked at me like I had uh, suggested we cancel Christmas, um, <laughs> but, uh, he agreed to run that race, uh, in his trainers instead of, instead of his spikes to take a little load off his Achilles and to run, to run, uh, not quite all out, but to help the team with scoring and to run with some teammates and try to help pull teammates along. Uh, which was, it's really hard to do when, when a lot of people are there cheering and, and, you know, you want to be racing with those, those, that top group there. Um, but he had the discipline to do that and that Achilles got better and, and, uh, and he was able to, 
to have a, a great race at state, finished ninth place. Um, and then Balin Bean is the, the, the new guy on the team. It's hard to believe it's his first year, year running. And he, uh, he always says, I just want to push myself. I want to see what I can do. And he put himself out there and he came through the, the first mile and, uh, just a hair over five minutes. And, uh, he was pretty psyched. He said that was one of, the, one of the most fun parts of his day. He said, I came through the mile in five minutes and I felt pretty good. <laughs> and, and he ended up having, having a real strong race, definitely the best race of his season. And then, uh, our next three were really co close together. Uh, Reese Brayman, Isaac Larson, and Gabe Fielstead. They all have different styles of racing. Uh, I mean, Reese is, is a, the, the, just such a hard worker and he's, he's so determined, uh, and uh, such a great runner. Uh, and had a really strong race. And then Isaac starts a little slower and tends to, to come on a lot during the last part of the race. And he ran down a bunch of people in the, the finishing, finishing straightaway. Uh, but he's also worked on, sometimes he's put himself too far back in, in races and he didn't do that at state. So he, he was able to have a really good race. And then Gabe Fielstad is the, the sophomore in the group. I mean, it's, we're going to have a, some rebuilding to do, but Gabe had a, had a really good season and, and his last three races were his best races of his, of his life. And, uh, and so, and, and he is just a competitor. He's just tenacious and, and, and he is gutsy and puts himself up there in a race. He put himself pretty far up there. He faded a little bit in the end, but not too much because he just is a grinder. And so, um, and then Theo Dittmer was our, our seventh runner in that race, another sophomore and definitely, uh, a tremendously hardworking individual and, uh, definitely a future future star on the team so so those guys were fantastic on that day so you know a lot of attention and much deserved attention goes to you know your your state champion girls team and your third place boys team let's go back a couple of years could you see the potential and the progression of i know kids graduate and move or you know new kids come on so the team is different every year but was there some potential or were, was there a groove that you guys got in as a coaching staff and as a team that you could see, wow, we're, we're now the eyes are on us, the targets on us. Well, you know, this group I've, I've, this was the first group that had cross country at Morgan. So they started in eighth grade when there was, that was the beginning of the Morgan program. And Kurt Rosen is the coach there. does a fantastic job. He makes running fun. He makes it age appropriate. Uh, and he's, he's just a, a wonderful, wonderful coach and human being. Um, and then, uh, coach Herter, Jamie Herter does works with Kurt at the middle school. They do a fantastic job. And, uh, and so that middle school group, you know, I was really excited about, about them when that, when they started and, and we knew there were some, some fast runners, but the thing about them, I mean, they weren't that fast as, middle schoolers and they weren't, well, Leah was fast, but a lot of the, the guys weren't necessarily that fast. But the thing about them is this, they had a fantastic attitude and they just totally bought into that lifestyle. They love to run when, okay. When we got back from state there, they, uh, they were so stoked that they said, do you think we can, do you think we could run sub five on the track right now? Like, do you think we could, <laughs> do you think we could do it? And they're like, I don't know, let's go find out. And they were like, what are we doing? We're, we're going to go see if we can run a sub five mile on the track right now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they all, they all went out there and they all just ran a mile just cause they were so excited about running. And, and that's the kind of joy that, that, uh, 
I mean, they, they just, they just love running and they find that joy in it. And, and it's a, so that's what's special about that group is uh, it's not just that they had the talent, but they have the love of running and just totally bought into that running lifestyle. How much fun is it to coach that? I mean, that's gotta be a blast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just a wonderful group. We had our uh, end of season banquet last night and yeah, there were, there were a lot of tears and it was a, I mean, it was a really, uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful group, but we've had wonderful kids for a lot of years and there, there's always a lot of tears, but there's there definitely, it's, it's fun when kids just buy into that, that, uh, that lifestyle. I don't know if these guys know, but Reese and, uh, Balin, they rap battle after races, right? They, they've had some rap <laughs> battles. Yeah. How did that start? And who, who started uh, that? <laughs> they How just, listen? they just started it. That was just a thing they started. And, uh, and so, yeah. And I was sitting around on Sunday trying to figure out, uh, an appropriate tribute to those, uh, those, those seniors. And so, uh, so I actually, I actually wrote a rap for all the seniors <laughs> that I, that I performed last night. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> wrote a verse about every kid and, and, uh, cause I figured they had done it and what, what, how could I, how could I show the, 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 the love and appreciation I have for them? So that's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're still, um, and rightly so we're still, you know, feeling the effects of, of quality placing at, at state, but what do you see in terms of, uh, you know, the coming years or, or, um, you know, the crew that's returning, uh, for both the men and women, what, uh, what can we expect in the next year or two? Well, one of the things I do also is print out a, uh, a book of all the results from, from the year and just some, some, uh, some history so they can, I, first of all, it's a, it's a keepsake and, Second of all, I hope it helps them to think where is my, for the younger runners, where's my place in this history? Where am, how am I going to write this? One of the things I looked at there is, well, how do our ninth, 10th, 11th graders look? If we, if we look at how, how we stack up as, as right now in the state, our girls right now would be fourth and our boys would be 25th. So, I mean, we, when you have five senior boys on varsity, that's kind of to be expected. Um, but it kind of shows us what, what we got to do to, to, to climb back up the mountain but we have a, a, a fantastic group. And so a lot of that I think is useful for setting goals, but then the day-to-day goal has to be to, to get out the door and put your shoes on and, and, and train. And, uh, you don't, that's the other thing about cross country is that it's, it's not a, it's not just a fall sport. If you want to be a, a good runner, you have to train during the off season. And if you come into cross country untrained, there's a, on, on August 24th, when practice starts in 2020, there's going to be a limit to what you're going to accomplish that year. And, and the kids who come in with an aerobic base, which takes months and years to build are just going to have an enormous advantage. And that's again, the kids who love that running lifestyle and what they want to do in the summer is go on a run in the mountains and go to beautiful places. And, and, and and that summer running is often not the really hard running, but it's just building up that base of miles and base of fitness, uh, and so in order to be successful in the racing season, you have to have that, that base. And so trying to inspire those kids to, to run in the winter, to run in the summer, um, to run track, uh, but to, to continue to develop, um, as athletes, if they have those lofty goals, they can't expect to just kind of drop in every fall and, and, and have those goals happen. Can we talk about, you, you talk about, um, or help me talk about the, the schedule a little bit. 
is it uh, year in year out? Obviously, your 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 league schedule is going to be the same teams and, and you know maybe different courses here and there. But uh, when it comes to like invitationals or early season runs, do you stick to the same kind of schedule or do you try to mix it up a little bit? Especially trying to compete against teams you might not see until state. I definitely try to mix it up and try to tailor the invite schedule to the 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 kids that are in the program um, and what I think will help them to have a race to learn from. And I also think it's just useful to to try a new invite every year. Uh, so there are going to be a lot of changes at the state level in 2020-21 school year because the WIAA is reclassifying, there's gonna be an adjustment based on the income. So the CWAC is gonna lose Wapato, Toppenish, and Quincy most likely. The the Spokane League, which we qualify for state with, is gonna, gonna lose a couple schools, but they're gonna keep their 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 power schools, which are, well, I guess not quite, but they're, they're two very strong programs in Cheney and Pullman. So just state qualifying next year could be a lot tougher. Um, and Deer Park might move into there. Their girls won one A state, and so uh, we might have between the CWAC and the GNL, we might only have three spots to state, and it might be us, Sela, Cheney, Pullman, and Deer Park competing for those spots. So it could be a it could be a, a real challenge just to get to state in the future, and that's a little bit uncertain. And again, that's something we don't really control. And so we can control what we do in training. And um, and in 2018, it was a real struggle for state. And our our district, especially on the girls' side, was a was just a a, 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 a real tough meet to get to state. We were fortunate to get through by one point um, and edged out Sela in that race. Uh, and Sela was ranked number one in state the week before. So, um, I mean, it was just so close. And the teams that went through were placed one, three, five at state. So, uh, just getting to state could be a lot harder next year than it has been. Um, and in terms of the schedule of the training schedule and runs, I mean, a lot of times, one thing that I did not expect coaching high school is how much I would be modifying workouts. And, and I, you know, I, I enjoy the science and the physiology of planning workouts but if the workout's not working for the kid, then it you have to change it. And a lot of times you have to change it right in the middle. And uh, so I make a training plan, and I guess it's Patton who said, uh, you know, plans planning is essential, but plans are worthless. And so I have a training calendar all worked out, but a lot of times I'm looking at how kids are doing. And, you know, it's nice to be teaching at the school because I'll see kids during the day and they'll let me know how they're doing. And, and, uh, and I'll think, Oh, that workout that I had planned for this afternoon, everyone's come in, five kids have come in and told me they're tired today. So that maybe is not the day to do that spectacular workout. Um, and, um, I mean, we've, those workouts get modified all the time. And I, I try to tell the kids a lot of times that's just me sitting at my computer, making up some kind of crazy calendar. And uh, I don't know that they've got a cold or they stayed up late working on an assignment or, or, whatever's going on in their lives or their knee hurts, or I, I don't, I don't know those things when I'm making that, that plan. So I do a lot of modifying of the plans. I have the same basic structure, which is, but, uh, there's a lot of just tailoring it to each individual kid. So you talk about, you know, you like the, the science and physiology of, of being a coach. So how do you keep up to date on that? I'm assuming a lot of reading, maybe talking with coaches or, or just learning about what each individual kid 
shows you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really an intersection of of art and science because there's the the art is applying it to each kid. I mean, there's the scientific principles, and yeah, I do a lot of reading and go to go to coaching clinics, talk to other other coaches. Um, I mean, I'm kind of a I'm a science teacher and a science nerd, so I, I I love reading a lot of a lot of those ideas. But you can you can read something and come up with an idea, and it it just if if it doesn't work for that kid on that particular day then it's not any good. And so uh, a lot of times we have different kids doing, even kids who are the same speed might be doing different training based on their history and, uh, and, and, um, and training, training history based on their current health. So, I mean, for example, Elisa Wallace and Holly Fromhurst were running fairly close to each other time-wise, but Elisa has more years of training and so we had them doing slightly different, um, different workouts on the same day at different, different paces and, and different volumes. Uh, and, and a lot of that is just trying to, that's the art of it is trying to keep each kid doing the workout that's ideal for them. So I got one more question to wrap things up for the interview today. Well, that's not really a question. We talked about it off there, uh, for those of you who know, coach Ponchine at Kittitas, my baseball assistant coach. Alex, he ran cross country for you. You said that he told you something when he quit. And I'm going to tell him, you told me to tell him in person, but I want to make sure it's out in the air so he knows that the whole county knows about it now, that he has to get to training. So what was it, the meet that he told you that he was going to run? Okay, well, Al- Alex was a great runner for us and talking about, you know, great kids we've had on, <laughs> on, on the team in the past. I mean, he is a tremendously hardworking kid and uh, just just a joy to coach. Um, and uh, so one of the things that our our team does a lot of volunteer work and we volunteer at the cascade crest 100 mile race, which is out of Easton. It's a trail race that brings people from all over the United States and people come from other countries to run it. It's a, it's a, a, a real classy and, and uh, famous event. And uh, so we volunteer at that every year. Um, one year we volunteered, I ran it and the uh, uh, he said, okay, in 10 years, I'm going to come back and run <laughs> this race. And so um I'm ready to to be at the aid station helping helping you along, Alex. Absolutely. So wow. what we're saying is get to training. Well, how long does he have? I mean, what five years you said? What year did he graduate? Uh was he class of 14, I think, or 14 or 15. I think he's got halfway to go. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's it's getting the time to, to to get out there on the trails and start running. He's been making so. too many 90-foot left turns. He needs to go for a little bit longer than that. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, uh, Coach Jeff Hashimoto, the cross-country coach at Ellsworth High School, for joining us today. This has been a really fun interview. All right. Thanks very much. Uh, we'd also like to thank Fitterer's Furniture, our sponsor of the podcast and sponsoring our, our guest of the week. Uh, great furniture since 1896 on corner of 4th and Main. We will be right back. All right, sports fans, welcome back. That was a fun interview we had, like I, I told you before. And I hope you guys turned off your notifications and uh, you thoroughly enjoyed that because I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it and, and being a part of it. I, I'm going to say something here too. You know, obviously, country, you're you're a coach as well and a leader of the Cadets baseball team. So, Coach Hashimoto was talking about just his mentality mm-hmm. and tactics of coaching and getting kids to buy in and earning their their spot either on the on the team or as a as a leader of the team. I saw you taking notes. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, you know a thing or two about coaching, but isn't part of coaching, you know, figuring out what works for other guys. And, and uh, seems like you were taking notes. Yeah. I mean, you can learn from anything. I learned my practice scheduling from football coaches and how they schedule theirs. Uh, I, I took notes and I'm going to coach. I hope you know I'm going to email you with some questions here. 
about coaching here in the next week or two or a couple of days, but you can learn from anybody and you can yeah. learn about anything. Coaching is an art. And if you care about the kids and you you want to learn and get better, you can be very successful in my opinion. And your kids will too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are not doing the picks. Our, our, our fall football sports are done wrapping up, but we have done a segment called would you rather, and we're going to do a rapid fire session of it. Each Sounds of us good. has a question and it's going to be quick answers. If you want, if you have a little brief thing to, to uh, elaborate, go ahead. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, sports related or not. So no pressure, John, you go first. <laughs> so rapid fire question here. Would you rather win on your home court field turf or would you rather win in front of a hostile crowd at your rival school? The latter. Country? Rival. Everyone. Rival? The latter. For, yep. 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 Rival. Because uh, I'd love to see their faces. Get I would love, I love the glory of winning at home, but uh, watching the faces of quiet rivals as mm-hmm. you walk off the field or court. Yeah. So I guess uh, I thought we were going to get uh, different answers, but we're all saying rivals. Absolutely. I'd love to see them cry a little bit. Luke, what do you got? Oh, okay. <laughs> no pressure. Would you rather play uh, Augusta National or Pebble Beach from the tips? So my answer is going to be, which one has just given me the free round? Because <laughs> I'll play either. <laughs> uh, Pebble Beach, but I'll go to Augusta National if I get to play with you, Mr. Ooh, yeah. Olson. All right, so well. Luke's paying. Good. Luke's paying either way. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What would you rather do? Uh, I think Augusta is private. I think anybody can go. If you have the money, you can play Pebble Beach, but... Yeah, I guess it's private course. So okay. It's right. tough to get on. Okay, mine is very not sports related. But it makes or you think realistic at all. I the hope duck. I'm never in this situation. <laughs> I feel bad for the duck. Um, yeah. Would you rather, you had a choice. If you got in a fight, would you rather fight one 500-pound duck or would you rather fight 500 one-pound ducks? <laughs> One 500 pound duck. There's only one big thing to worry about rather than 500 little things. Absolutely. You have a weapon or? Sure. Whichever one you want. I'm going the 501 pound. Oh, you can just flame those things like (laughs) nothing. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Coach Scott Wilson, Kid Has Girls Basketball Coach. He was my history teacher who made us watch the movie Birds in class. And if you haven't seen that, the Alfred Hitchcock movie? Yes. That's weird. It's very weird. It's tough. I mean, Coach Wilson is. Weird in yeah. his own way that we embrace. Right? Absolutely. Love the guy. Great. great but that movie is weird. It That's is what I was so talking weird. about. And when the seagulls are circling me on the beach, it freaks me out because of Coach Wilson. So thanks. Thanks, Coach. So, yeah, I, I would just hate to have 500 ducks just flocking around me. I'll take my chances with the one 500-pounder because I'm hoping he's not too mobile. That's right. But, of course, if you're going to get beat up <laughs> by a duck. Yeah. You better uh, be a big uh, one. No, that's a no-win situation no matter what. Uh, so just win. So, well, that wraps it up. Hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. And then we'll send us some more ideas if you have out there. And and uh, we can't wait to come back next week. Thank you again to sponsor Fitteris Furniture on Main Street there. Go check them out. And uh, I'm going to say once again, this is how we started the podcast. We're going to end it. I'm going to raise my glasses to you, gentlemen. Yes. We hit double digits on this podcast. Uh, congratulations. Looking forward to hitting triple digits hey. as well. So. Uh, looking forward to a good week of uh, sports and looking forward to talking about it next week as well. Looking forward to it. All right. 
Thanks, sports fans. We will see you next week.